Welcome back to the Blanket Coverage Podcast. We're going to be mixing things up a little bit today. It's going to be me as well, your host, Jack Wallace, as usual. Noah will not be with us today, given that it's all about baseball. We're talking about baseball. We got all of our best teams in. The final 10 teams remaining in the MLB cannot be more excited. But with me is my friend, Mac, otherwise known as Matthias Altman-Korosaki, cannot wait to have you in on this special today and getting in one of our rare guests we have on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on, Jack. Yeah, so we're going to go ahead and start in with the playoff race has now been completed right now. Again, this is live, so if you're watching this live, you are probably watching as well the Red Sox and the Yankees face off in the AL wildcard game where... It is going uh, already pretty deep into it. It looks like the Red Sox have been taking good amount of control throughout the game. It's 4 nothing here in the middle of the seventh with zero outs as we are here in the beginning. By the time we end this podcast, very likely it's already going to be over. Of course, it is uh, heavily favored that the Red Sox will finish it out. ESPN gives them a 95% chance to win. But as you know, in baseball, it's never over till it's over. And we have a whole lot left, bottom of the seventh, again with no outs. Um Red Sox up, of course, it is in Fenway. So still a lot of time left. Still a lot can happen. So nothing is over yet. But thing is here, we're going to go ahead and look at who do we got. We got Milwaukee, Chicago, White Sox it is, Tampa Bay, Houston, Atlanta, and San Francisco are your divisional winners. And then L.A. Dodgers, St. Louis Cardinals, and then, of course, Red Sox and Yankees of Boston and New York are in the wild card. Eliminated everybody else, but frankly, a lot of those teams we're not really going to talk about because it don't matter too much. Their season's over. They're not playing. Sorry about your Mets. I know that's uh, unfortunate for, for your team, but... Yeah, I'm uh, kind of used to it, but, you know, yeah, we it, the, the Mets were disappointing for a number of reasons this year, but uh, I don't want to... I could probably talk until I'm blue in the face about that. <laughs> and uh, I do believe that. So, uh, no, not too much focus on them tonight. But we are going to go ahead and get to our seating. So with that seating in, San Francisco clinching in the number one spot uh, pretty easily there. Uh, not really much of a competition in terms of record with anyone else with those top three. Uh, and they, of course, win the NL West. Milwaukee will come in second in the NL with the NL Central title. And then finally, the Atlanta Braves. My Braves here winning the NL East for the fourth year in a row and will end up getting the three seed. Dodgers very easily get the fourth seed, considering that their record is, uh, frankly, absurd for a wildcard team over 100 wins. And then St. Louis somehow skating their way in, I know much to your chagrin, but somehow skating in to that final playoff spot in the NL. And then the AL Tampa Bay Rays once again end up at the top. They've been a very, very solid team for the last few years, as we know, of course, World Series AL defending champs. And then the Houston Astros right back in the mix again at the second seed. And the Chicago White Sox finally getting a division title after quite a long while. I think it's almost, what, like a 15-plus year 13 years. 13, so close, 13 years. A long time since the White Sox have hoisted the AL Central crown, but they finally did, which makes sense considering the state of the AL Central. And then, of course, Boston, New York, as you mentioned, are in those final two wildcard spots after quite the day of chaos uh, in game 162. Not as much as we would have hoped. But a lot going into that with the Mariners and Blue Jays falling out on the final day. So we're going to get right into this and look at our NL team overviews. And we're going to go ahead and start with the San Francisco Giants because, you know, nowhere better to stop or start than right at the top. So looking at the Giants, what is their biggest strength here? Because, of course, 
being the number one seed, you're going to have a lot of strengths. So let's go down and look at them. Yeah, so they have a lot of strengths, uh, but if I'm going to pick a couple to stick out, really, it's, well, in general, their depth this year has been unreal. Uh, they, they've just, it seems like everyone that they've had play, uh, both on the mound and at the plate, has contributed. A lot of unsung heroes that, I mean, frankly, a lot of them that people hadn't heard of before this year. You know, you also, they also have a ton of power. They led the majors in home runs which is hard to believe because, you know, they didn't have anyone hit over 30. For a while, I remember when they came to Flushing to face the Mets, they didn't have anyone over 20, but they were somehow leading the majors in home runs. So, really, they have great power hitting, and their pitching has been phenomenal. Uh, I want to specifically point to their bullpen with Jake McGee and Tyler Rogers closing out games, also having guys like Dominic Leon and Yarling Garcia pitching well out of the bullpen. So, they're a very well-rounded bunch. I wouldn't say they have a true superstar on their roster, but their their offense is pretty good, uh, specifically on the power-hitting side. And their pitching really has been fantastic this year. It has really helped carry them to the postseason. Now, the one guy, though, I mean, I know you're saying they're not particularly a big superstar on this team. I mean, obviously, not really many people predicted San Francisco to come out and have just the great degree of to which they had this season. But – a big player on this team, if you're going to talk about, I really love a lot of what Brandon Crawford's had to bring to this team. I think he's been a big, big player on this side and ended up looking pretty good. I mean, ended up uh, batting 298, which is much higher than his career of 254. Ended up with 24 home runs this season, 144 hits in 483 AB. So pretty solid year for him. Ended up getting an all-star nod his first since 2018 and just his third of his career that started all the way back in 2011 has stuck with San Francisco this whole time. Of course, a long-time name here, but what do you think about how he's done this season and the way he's he's helped to elevate this team up? I mean, if you told me before the season that Brandon Crawford would have a career resurgence this year, I probably would have thought you were crazy. I mean, he's 34 years old, and he's never really been known for his offense. He had like one or two maybe years where he was like pretty good for a shortstop, you know, shortstop. For a while, wasn't always thought of as like a great offensive position. I remember Crawford was always great at defense, but this year, I mean, he came out of nowhere. Really, that that OPS up at 895—that's easily the best in his career. 24 homers, 90 RBIs. I just, you know, when you see a guy reach his mid 30s, you think that's when they really fall off, and it looked like he was falling off. I mean, even his defense was regressing, but. I'm really impressed with what he's done this year. And frankly, I think he'll probably be in the MVP conversation, which again, I didn't think yeah. I'd see him sniffing that. No, absolutely. And uh, any X factors you give with this team coming into this playoff run? It's definitely Kevin Gausman. Uh, there's probably a number you could probably also point to Buster Posey, but Kevin Gausman was fantastic in the first half. And while his numbers overall may look good with that 2.87 ERA, his ERA in the second half is 4.42, really fell off. And some were saying, oh, maybe it's because they banned the spider tack and those type of things. But really, he just hasn't really looked like the same pitcher in the second half. He's looked all right. He's had his his starts where he's looked good. But in reality, he has looked a lot weaker. I think really Logan Webb has turned into the best pitcher on that team. So they really need Gallisman to look like what he was in the first half if they want to go far. No, exactly. And I mean, 
talk about how that improvement's been. I mean, had a 402 ERA in his whole career, now down to a 281, 64 and 72 wins and losses. He's 14 and 6 this season. So yeah, tremendous improvement. Absolutely agree with that there. And then lastly, we're going to go through these with the rest of these teams. I know it may not age super well by the time we get all the way down to the Red Sox and Yanks, but best case, worst case, what you think could happen with this team? I think the best case, this is a team that really could win the World Series. It's hard. And like I was saying, I don't see them as a you know star-powered team necessarily. And a lot of their best players are in their mid-30s, which is one of my concerns with the team. But I think in the best case scenario for them is, yeah, they win the World Series. Worst case, I would not be surprised at all if they fall in this first round, the NLDS. They're, the NL is very good, and regardless of if they face the Dodgers or the Cardinals, I think both teams have a shot to beat them. So I think the worst case scenario definitely is them losing in the NLDS. Next up, we're going to go down the line once again, and we're going to look at the Milwaukee Brewers, a team that's facing off against the Atlanta Braves here in the first round. And a team that has been, I feel like, not one of the loudest teams this season. I know we've heard a lot about the Giants coming up and getting big. We've heard a lot about uh, what happened with the whole Dodgers going back and forth and even talking about the Padres and a lot of that NL West. We've heard a lot about the Cardinals recently and their big resurgence. It's just a lot of the NL has been loud on that end. I mean, even the Braves with their very, very down on the wire against the Phillies. But I feel like we haven't heard a lot about the Brewers, at least sort of recently. So let's look in and talk about them a little bit. So big strengths on this team big weaknesses. Let's go and take a look. What do you think? Their strengths? I mean, I cannot say enough good things about that starting pitching. I mean, they have three of the best arms in baseball with Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and Freddie Peralta on the mound. All three were all-stars this year. All three will probably finish, if not top 10, then top 15 in the Cy Young voting. Corbin Burns probably wins the Cy Young led the NL and ERA, had one of the best fielding independent pitchings ever. You know, so that pitching staff outside of those three is still really good with Adrian Hauser and Eric Lauer both having strong seasons. So even outside the the big three they have right there, they have enough good enough pitching depth. And then out of the bullpen with Josh Hader, best reliever in baseball, arguably. Brent Suter had another great year, the Harvard grad. Brad Boxberger had a resurgent year. Hunter Strickland had a great year. So they have a ton of pitching, really. Uh, it hurts that Devin Williams is hurt. And really, that was a, uh, a dumb injury. If you uh, by, by all measures, that was a dumb injury. He punched the hand of his locker after, while celebrating them clinching the division. Uh, uh, yeah, don't punch the, any walls, folks. <laughs> yeah, the reports were that uh. he had, had a few drinks and he punched <laughs> – his locker and so he broke his hand and Ugh. the only way he returns is if they make the world series if i'm looking at the weakness it's really the offense the offense does not strike me as one that really instills fear into opposing teams outside of willie adamas had a gr- great uh, stretch after getting traded 86 ops 20 homers uh at, in 99 games after getting traded from tampa bay navi sayal garcia had a solid year leading team 29 homers but really this offense is weak, and it does not have a ton of depth to it. Uh, Kirsten Yelich, who I'll get into a little bit later, again, a disappointing year. Uh, Jackie Bradley I was one of the worst offensive players in baseball. That offense is going to be the make or break for this team. It's really, really been disappointing again this year. That's why I wasn't that high on them coming into the year. And 
one thing I wanted to note actually about Corbin Burns, I wanted to dive in a little bit more on that because I know you you mentioned he was one of the standouts here, but he actually set the MLB record for the most strikeouts without allowing a walk with 58. Now it actually was broken just a little bit after that by a Yankees ace Garrett Cole, but yeah, I mean we talk about how good he's been. I mean he had 11 and five record, 2.43 ERA, which the latter of which is ranked first in the major league among all starting pitchers who even qualified for it. I mean it, sensational season for him, and again facing off against this Braves team first which we'll get to pretty soon, that's going to be the matchups to watch. A team that's been great on offense, or really good guys in that lineup and that, and that nine. But then, of course, the weakness to that, going back to be can the Braves outpitch them. So that's why I'm really excited, at least for this series, because it seems like these teams have a little bit of inverted strengths and weaknesses in what we could see here. But uh, looking at the X factor of this team, who do you think is going to be the big make-or-break reason why the Brewers could potentially go through really far or once again fall short as they at least have in the last few years? Well, like I mentioned earlier, I think Christian Yelich is the make or break here. You know, Yelich was an MVP not too long ago. He was an MVP in 2018, probably could have won it in 2019 if he didn't get injured the last month of the year. And these last two years, he just has not looked like himself. And this year, his OPS is down to 736. It's basically the lowest it's been in his entire career. He's actually a he was a below average big league hitter by OPS plus. He was a 99 OPS plus only hit nine homers too. He's drawing a lot of walks, but if you're a star player getting paid big time money, close to $25 million a year, they don't pay you for nine home runs. You know, 362 on base percentage is good, but you got to be slugging higher than 373. So they really need to rely on Yelich showing at least some signs of, his former self, because without that, that offense really, really will suffer without it. And then worst case, best case, do you think this team can make the kind of run the Giants can? I think potentially if that pitching staff holds up, I think then, yes, I, I could see them, you know, making the World Series. I think they can make the World Series. I'm not sure if they're good enough to win it all, especially considering how strong the some of those teams in the AL are, but I think they can make the World Series. I think worst case scenario, I think they're, I mean, hate to say it, they're heavily favored against the Braves. So I think the worst case scenario is them making the NLCS. The best case is them making the World Series. Uh, kind of leaning towards them just making the NLCS, but well, it's baseball. It's kind of unpredictable as always. Very true. And, and looking into some unpredictability i know that uh, a lot of baseball does function in a very unpredictable way but there's one thing that has been a little bit predictable over the last few years and that's been the atlanta braves making their way back to the playoffs now again it hasn't been necessarily going super far in the playoffs except for last season where the braves made it all the way to one game away from the world series but the braves have been consistent getting here at least four straight in at least titles Back to back to back to back. They're finally getting their system in. And this year, you had a lot of big injuries go down. You had Mike Soroka go down. You had Ronald Acuna go down. You had all the off-the-field issues with Marcelo Zuna. And those were some big, big guys that were supposed to be some big targets for the season. I mean, obviously, Acuna was one of the biggest reasons why the Braves have been so relevant in the last while. And Azuna, a big reason to why the Braves had so much success in the postseason last year. But then you turn around and you lose all these guys. And you still win the division. And now I know that speaks volumes to how poor the division is, which I know we can get into that. But 
even then the Braves still prevailed. They prevailed in division where a lot of the times it was saying that the Mets and the Phillies have these stronger teams, better teams. I mean, I don't really think that people saw Washington going crazy for Miami, but I mean, definitely not Miami, but still two teams projected to get better. If they didn't, Atlanta pulls it out. But how much is getting here really mean anything versus participation trophy? And I guess that's kind of the question with the Braves here. So looking at their strengths, when we talked about a little bit of the offense being really strong for the Braves, they're able to hit really well. That's going well. What else can you add about that? So sort of what the Braves have been to put up big numbers. Yeah, so you, you mentioned already their offense is fantastic again, really. You know, there and there were concerns once Acuna went down on my other podcast. Uh, we were talking about how after Acuna got injured, we really thought their season was toast. Like we didn't see them coming back from it at all, especially Acuna was an MVP candidate when he was healthy, but yeah, for, for, I mean, after picking up Jorge Soler and Adam Duvall, the offense actually really – and actually Jock Peterson to a certain extent. The, the offense really took off, and, you know, credit where credit is due. I mean, they they really I, – I really thought that this was, like, it was a done deal once Acuna got hurt. But, you know, ton of props to them for getting through it. I also want to shout out their starting pitching, which has been in the, in the second half of the year especially – with Charlie Morton, Max Fried, and Ian Anderson, they've all had really good second halves. And out of the yeah. bullpen, while I, th- I think the bullpen's a bit of a weakness, Luke Jackson has been phenomenal lately. I mean, I remember when he was the closer uh, a couple of years ago, he led the league in blown saves, but now he's really been he's been better. Oh yeah, lately. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. But uh, the one the one thing I will say about Jackson though is that he walks a lot of guys, and you can say that about Tyler Matzik too. So. They're starting pitching, though, and I, Huascar, you know, even if he's had a couple of rough starts here and there, I still think he's solid enough. So I think that those four right there are probably going to be the playoff rotation. So those four, I think, give them at least some type of chance against the Brewers. And, and even to mention on that, uh, I, I did write down in here to, to, to put the point, too, is that since the All-Star break, Atlanta actually has the third best bullpen ERA in the whole league. And so I get the bullpen has been a struggle for them, and I totally understand that why, and we'll get to our X factor to why it's been stressful to watch the bullpen. But even then, they've been improving. They've looked better, and I get it's not just the bullpen pitching, but I mean, talking about the starting pitching, I have a great second half, the offense continuing to improve. This team has been getting stronger and stronger and better and better. It's just, is it still good enough? And that's the question, of course, we'll get to. And the X factor here, I I really have the same idea as you did in terms of who's going to be the guy to really focus on here. And and I, I see you put Will Smith. And I know Will Smith has been a massive thorn on the side of us, but also ended up closing some really clutch games down the stretch for us against the Phillies and having a, some really good saves. So what what is he going to be? How is he going to do? And I guess that's for us to figure out. Yeah, I think the one thing with Smith, actually a couple things, that his walk rate is also kind of high. It's at 3.7 per nine. It's not as high as Jackson's, which is 4.1, or Matt Six, which is 5.3, but it's 3.7 is not that great. And also, he allowed 11 homers in 68 innings pitch, which is 1.5 homers per nine, which is not a great rate. So if there's a concern there, it's definitely keeping the ball in the yard and making sure he can control his pitches. He can get the strikeouts, that's for sure. And his ERA was only 3.44. But I, I don't like the win-loss statistic, but he went 3-7 and seven out of the bullpen. So if you have seven losses as a reliever, that's a sign that you're probably a little shaky. 
So I, if he can keep the ball in the yard, for sure he'll be good. It's just he has to do that in order for this team to be successful. Because I mean, I, I mean, it's there are a few games even against the Mets where he came in like he would get out of the inning, but he would first like load the bases or something like that, and he he has oh, to yeah. avoid that at all costs. <laughs> Those type of situations will not do you any favors, and eventually it will hurt you. So worst case, best case for the Braves. Last year, made the NLCS and lost in seven. What are you thinking about us this year? Think, I'm, I'm trying to think here because I think the Brewers, they might have a chance against. I say might because I really think the Brewers are the heavy favorites in that series. But I think if that starting pitching can keep keep up, they can make it to the NLCS. The problem is then you're probably facing – at least in my opinion, you're facing one of the Giants, Cardinals, or Dodgers. And I don't see them getting past any of those teams. So I think best case, they make it to the NLCS. Worst case, which I think is more likely, they're losing in the NLDS. Well, I think that's pretty fair, to be honest. I mean, I understand we more limp to the playoffs than anything. So I think that's a fair take. Up next, we have our first team of the wild card uh, units in the NL, and that's the Los Angeles Dodgers, a team that made the World Series that tends to get very far in the NL, um, has basically dominated the NL over the last while, including the NL West division, but finally fell back a little bit, and now winning over 100 games, not really falling back, but falling back enough to where someone else finally caught up with them. Of course, the Giants we talked about, but... Somebody cut up with them. So now the Dodgers are forced themselves all the way down to the four seed. It may not end up meaning anything, but they still are down there and are forced to go in to a wild card game up against the Cardinals. So what are the strengths here of the Dodgers? And then weaknesses, even then, like what may have caused them to slip back to the Giants in here? Again, I know it was a really close down to the wire. It's not like they were by any means a bad team. I mean, anything other than a great team. But what got them in this position and what still makes them a strong team? I was going to say, I can't really, you know, when I was looking at this with, for strengths, it's really the whole team is a strength. It, I can't really find one particular strength in that really sticks out for them. I guess if I were to pick one, man, this is really tough because I guess their biggest strength then is depth, really. Because even, you know, they have some injuries. Yes, Max Muncy just had a really bad elbow injury, which – uh, luckily, he does say, not yeah. have a tear. He does not have a tear, so he won't have surgery, and there's a chance he can return this postseason. While Clayton Kershaw on the pitching side is out for the year, he's been ruled that he cannot pitch this postseason. But looking yeah, at it, I mean, top, to bo- top to bottom, you have you know, Will Smith is a great catcher. Uh, Muncy's hurt, but you know, replacing him, you'll probably have Albert Pujols or Matt Beatty. You know, Trey Turner is a great player. So is Corey Seager. So is Justin Turner. AJ Pollock really turned it on. Mookie Betts is really good. Chris Taylor was also an all-star. They just have so many great players, and they can barely even fit them all in the starting lineup. And now, of course, with Muncy going down, they will have to play one of Bellinger or Pujols or Beatty, someone like that, to fill, fill the void. And then the pitching side, I mean, Walker Bueller, Julio Arias, Max Scherzer, uh, Tony Gonsolin's really good. I'm assuming with Kershaw yeah, out, so those will, <laughs> I know it'll be those four pitching. You know, I, I just, 
that's the thing is we they fell back. They won 106 games, which is the same amount that they won in 2019. Yeah. I mean, they had won the title. They had won the division title eight straight years. It's really I have still am baffled by the fact that they won 106 games and their season comes down to a one game playoff. But yeah. And I yeah, sorry, have you yeah. forgotten I even mentioned that about them winning World Series? I mean, I, I was I was blanking and I was thinking the year before, but but yeah, defending yeah. champs, you still win 106 yeah, games year after and somehow don't get uh the division title, which I doubt they care a lot yeah. about, to be honest. But um, they they also went forty three and thirteen after uh after the trade deadline. And they gained a total of one game on the Giants in that time span. That's just how well the Giants played. I mean, yeah, yeah I said I've said this on other shows that it was like every time the Dodgers were getting really hot, the Giants somehow either kept up or got hotter. So that's really how they got. I guess you could also say a week if there was a weakness on the roster, it'd be the injuries because I mean, obviously we're seeing it with Muncie now, but Bellinger missed significant time, Seager missed time, Kershaw's missed time. Now a lot of players on their team have missed time due to injury. So if I were to point to one weakness on the roster. I guess it'd be health of the team. And then we look over to our X factor on this team. Who do you think it may be for him? She have a lot of well, answers for it, honestly. Well, similar to the Brewers, uh, Cody Bellinger, I think, has to be the X factor. Bellinger was, you know, two years ago, he won MVP and Yelich was runner up. He was arguably the best defensive outfielder in the game, one of the best hitters in the game. But, you know, last year in the 60-game season, it was a little concerning that, you know, he wasn't necessarily himself. His OPS dropped to 760-ish. All right, that's a bit concerning, but it's a 60-game season. But the fact that his OPS is down to 542 this year, and he's only at 10 homers in 95 games, I mean, you have that over a 60-game stretch. I mean, everyone goes through slumps, but to do this over – over half a season, I get he's only 25 years old, but I was talking to one of my friends who's a Dodgers fan, and it's gotten to the point where people are wondering if he's even going to get tendered a contract this offseason. I don't think that he'll get non-tendered, but if he really, really wants to show that he's worth the playing time over over guys like Pujols or Beatty because of the Muncie injury, he has to step up. And we're not – I'm not saying that he has to be his MVP self again, but he has to show some signs of life because the way he played this year is definitely not what anyone expected, nor did, nor is it what the team wanted or needed from him. No, absolutely. And uh, best case, worst case, I assume your best case is still winning the world series or at least making it. I, I oh, yeah, think this good, sure. but but then the real question is worst case is how far can the team fall here? Cause I really don't know what, what's the floor of a team like the Dodgers. Here's the thing is that they're in a one game playoff. So their floor is losing that one game playoff because as you know, in baseball, anything can happen. So really that, that is the floor. If they, you know, if you come out flat in that one game playoff, you're basically toast. So that's, Worst case scenario, they lose that, and probably Dave Roberts gets fired. Even after winning the World Series a year ago. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I was saying last year, if they didn't make the World Series or didn't win the World Series, he'd get fired. I mean, you have a team this good. Yeah. 
there's yeah. no reason not to win the World Series. Your season's a failure if you didn't. And that's a pretty uh, fair point, though, I do think so. Uh, to move on, we then have our final team in the NL, and that's the St. Louis Cardinals, a team that somehow managed to come in and get their way into the playoffs. The Cincinnati Reds were close. The Philadelphia Phillies were close. The San Diego Padres were close, but not close enough. And somehow the Cardinals did it a 17-game winning streak, uh, not necessarily to the end of the season. They did lose and win a couple more there, but basically down the stretch, 17 games, one in a row. Pretty hard to defend that if you're another team coming in there. And, yeah, a lot of those were against easier teams, but 17 games and a one in a row is nothing to uh, turn your nose up at. So, yeah, they somehow did it. Cardinals had an incredible run. They got devil magic, baby, and they made their way all the way to the wild card. Now, again, their record is far worse than what the Dodgers are bringing in here. It's actually not really even that close, to be honest with you, but they still did make it nevertheless, and they're one game away from playing themselves into a full series. So what do you have to say about this Cardinals team? What's the big strengths, big weaknesses? Why are they a threat still? Well, I could give you – Part of the answer, which is, like you said, the devil magic. The Cardinals, I, I painfully have seen the Mets fall victim to the devil magic in the playoffs. The The Cardinals just find ways to win games. I mean, they if you look at the roster, they really, they really don't stick out as like, a, oh, this team will win the World Series type, but they'll somehow figure out a way to make be competitive. I mean, coming into the year, they were my my pick to win the NL Central, but they looked pretty mediocre for most of the year until somehow they caught fire in September. If I'm going to go with one of their strengths, other than their devil magic, uh, their bullpen was really good this year. Alex Reyes struggled a bit in the second half because, well, he walks a lot of batters, but Giovanni Gallego stepped up and was really good. Hannes uh, uh, Cabrera who earlier in the year hit Bryce Harper in the face, uh, he actually had a solid year. You know, uh, they got a strong veteran presence. I mean, really, with Adam Wainwright and Kwang Hyung Kim, both guys over 30. And then also guys like John Lester and Jay Happ, who are both in their late 30s, just like Wainwright. So you have a bunch of veterans. On offense, Paul Goldschmidt, uh, Nolan Arenado, and Tyler O'Neill all were very strong. O'Neill really broke out. Again, one of those guys where you kind of consider that it a product of the devil magic because really he is a, he was a former top prospect, but he'd really fallen off the map. So uh, credit where credit is due. He had a great year and played very good defense too. So it's not like they have one clear strength, but they're just, I'd say they're relatively well balanced. And then let's go ahead and look at, what other, I mean, I know you, you kind of mentioned weaknesses a little bit on this team, but at least an X factor, sort of who's the guy again, we've been going through this obviously, but like who's sort of the guy again, that's going to determine if they're going to at least get out of this game. Cause obviously again, up against the Dodgers is a tall task, no matter what, but who's that guy there? It's gotta be Adam Wainwright. You know, Wayno is 39 now. I mean, I thought he would be out of the league by this point. It looked like after the 2018 season, he was uh, set to retire. But he had his best season since the middle of the 2010s. You know, a 3.05 ERA. He pitched 206 innings. 
keep in mind, this is a guy who's set to turn 40 next year. I mean, they need him to keep doing what he was doing, especially in the second half. He was fantastic in the second half. And with Jack Flaherty having missed so much time, he's not available to pitch. At least he's not available to start this wildcard game. Normally, you probably would have expected him to be on the ball, getting the ball for a winner-take-all game. So they need Wayno to step up big time again. He's had his huge moments in the playoffs. I unfortunately know that. But he's, you know, if he pitches the way vintage Wainwright does, then he'll, you know, he definitely will give the Cardinals a chance. But if he falters, their season will be over. Yeah, sounds like it's going to be right down to the wire to a team that really is right on the wire, a team that, I mean, somehow played their way in here. It's still a series that I find quite incredible, but found their way in. We'll see what happens with them. But now we can move on to the American League, the league that's getting their big kind of shout-out tonight, of course, with their own wild card. But with that, we had the Tampa Bay Rays, the Devil Rays, coming into this series at least this playoff series, as a team that really has a lot of big strengths on it. They're coming in as the defending AL champs, make their way back to the AL number one seed, and they will be awaiting to see who they're going to look to face off against deeper in this playoff. So with the Rays, what got them ahead on a division that's this good? I mean, we're going to talk a lot about AL East going on, um, of course, down to both the Red Sox, Yankees, and the wildcard game, the Rays right here. You have the Blue Jays barely missed the playoffs. I mean, and then of the Orioles are still playing baseball, but at least everyone else in the AL East is about as good as you can get. So with that, what had the Rays at the top and what can we look to have them going strong here? And then still what may pull them back? So their biggest strength really is it's just death straight up. I mean, I, you know, just like the giants, not a real superstar on the roster. Their best pitcher was Tyler Glasnow. And, of course, he succumbed to Tommy John's surgery. But everyone else on that team really stepped up. I think Michael Waka started pitching well again later in the year. Shane McClanahan started pitching well. Uh, Luis Patino was solid. You know, Ryan Yarbrough started to figure it out a little bit towards the end of the year. And then the bullpen, you know, with, uh, you know they trade Diego Castillo. But then Andrew Kittridge was an all-star this year out of nowhere. Colin McHugh, former Met, he was really good. Peter Fairbanks, once again, really good. You know, JP Fire Ison was good. Drew Rasmussen, uh, JT Chargois, who they got in the Castillo trade, really came on, did a great job. And then on the hitting side, you know, Mike Zanino broke out, really. 33 homers, 860 OPS, made his first All-Star game. You know, Brandon Lau hit 39 homers. Austin Meadows hit 27, drove in 106 runs. Nelson Cruz. Sort of started showing signs of age, but he can still hit. You know, uh, Wander Franco, uh, he struggled at first when he got called up, but then really, really found his footing, became a great player. You know, up and down the roster, they just have a ton of solid players, and they're very well balanced. So I think that's definitely their strengths. If I'm pointing their weaknesses, I mean, to nitpick really is that on the pitching side, they their, their pitchers don't tend to go very deep in the games. I know that was a problem last year that people had with Kevin Cash was him pulling his starters too early, but really I it's, it's hard to find a weakness for for them, but if anything, it might be that their starters don't go deep enough. 
And then who's the big guy that's going to be the make or break person on this team? Uh, it's a tough question. Yeah. Uh, I guess really it's kind of everyone on that starting rotation. If you ask me, like I said, I think if there's something that will, uh, you know, sort of bring them down, it's if their bullpen has to work too much. And I said this, this is why I wasn't too high on the Brewers a couple of times because the Brewers were kind of like the Rays in the fact they were heavily reliant on their bullpen being fantastic. Just, uh, you know, you know, continually performing, but eventually those arms will wear out. So unless they're able to get more innings out of their, their starters, their bullpen's going to be very, very taxed by the time we reach, you know, even the end of the ALDS. So that, I guess, I can't really put one single name on it, but it's really that entire starting rotation. And looking at best case, worst case, I get this is a team that, I mean, obviously being the number one overall seed, you'd have to think they go pretty far, but also for a team like this that you mentioned doesn't have as much of that huge like star power strength, maybe they could fall back a little bit earlier than we may expect. So what do you think about the Rays here? Well, I think best case scenario is they get vengeance for last year. You know, they end up winning the World Series. I think this is a team that has a very strong chance of that. That, you know, that floor really is losing that ALDS. You know, they they their arms could get tired easily. And I think if you face a team at this point, like a team like Boston, I think that offense could be enough to counteract the power pitching the Rays have. So Really, I don't see that being very likely that they lose that early, but I think there is a chance that happens. And then looking ahead and seeing the next team, a team that, you know, I don't think this team gets talked about enough. And I think this team, you know what? I I think this team's getting too much negative press. And it's the Houston Astros. Because, gee, I can't wonder why people are still hating on this team. But... Uh, yeah, the Houston Cheaters come up next, and a pretty solid offense. But what are their weaknesses here? Looking at a team that, yeah, we can poke fun at and everything, but they still earned that number two seed, and at least as far as I've seen, weren't really cheating at least this time. So Houston, a team that's got a lot of things to like. What are you thinking? Yeah, their offense is surely is electric. If we're going by the OPS plus metric, the only one of their regulars, I guess, who has a below average OPS plus is Martin Maldonado, their catcher. But he also makes up for it with his fantastic defense. Plus, his the guy he kind of platoons with, Jason Castro, is a well above average hitter. So, really, the offense does not have a weakness at all. And I really don't see a weakness on this roster, really. They're pitching. Yes, Granky got banged up, so he's probably coming out of the bullpen. But they're one through four, I'm assuming – this playoffs will be Lance McCullers Jr., Luis Garcia, Frambert Valdez, and Jose Urquidy, all who had very strong seasons. The worst ERA out of those four was Urquidy with 3.62, which is still solid. As a unit, they had a 3.76 ERA, which is fourth best in the AL. Their offense was the highest scoring uh, offense in all of baseball. So really, I'm trying to find a weakness, and it's very difficult. Maybe their bullpen's a little weak, but even that, you know, Ryan Presley was fantastic this year. Christian Javier was good again. He was able to pitch a lot of longer relief outings. I mean, Ryan Stanek was good. 
Blake Taylor, who they got from the Mets, he was really good. Kendall Graveman was a good pickup. I look up and down the roster, and I really don't see where they really falter. I mean, I guess a little bit on the pitching side, their offense is so good that it almost counteracts any weakness that they have on the pitching side. And I did just want to interrupt you real quick just to put in uh, this page in right here. But I wanted to share this with you. This is going on right now live. And as we say it, right here, right now, I'm trying to pull it up right here. But sharing the clip with you, as you can see on your screen, it is now over. The Boston Red Sox have defeated the New York Yankees 6-2. And it looks like your AL wildcard team has been decided. So I didn't mean to interrupt you there. But I just wanted to point out that that is now going on. Um, Probably going to stop sharing the screen now in case we get copyright violated. But that is the end of the wild cards. We can at least move on to um, that piece later when that comes around. Yeah, I tried to get the final out in there. It was just coming up. I was trying to figure out the technology of it. But, yeah, so that game's at least done on that end. But um, we'll get around to the rest of the AL as we continue through. But, uh, at least last point on the Astros here to bring up. Do you think this team can come in and win the World Series like they did in 2017? 100%. I think, honestly, looking up and down the roster, they might be the best team in the AL. I'm not even lying. They had the best – or, sorry, they had the second-best run differential, uh, only one run behind the Rays at plus 205. So, they, they're Pythagorean Ooh. loss. So, you know, the amount of games they could have won – their, their Pythagorean win loss was 101 and 61. So this is basically an 100 win team they have right here. So yeah, I think there's a very real chance they w- they win the World Series. I really can't see them getting like I, I'm I'm trying to think of the word. I think really their floor is just making the ALCS. That's how good I think their team is. And then now we have the Chicago White Sox up next. Now the Chicago White Sox. They're a funny team, and not only for being uh, gifted the award of being the second favorite team in their own city, which, you know, you hate, hate to see that, but even then, they're, they're just an odd team because the thing with the White Sox is they're a team that won the AL Central that we know is not a good division, and they won it very easily, and they look very good doing that, but a lot of people have this team losing early. A lot of people have this team out quickly, and – the question is, at least in your opinion, why you think that is. And then if you want to look a little deeper, why you think that take may be a little too far-fetched or maybe about right. Well, first of all, I just want to point out that this is the, this first series, Astros-White Sox, is a rematch of that 2005 World Series. So mm-hmm. I don't know if this is the first time that two teams that have faced each other in the World Series have also faced off in the, um, in the regular like division series, but... I don't think it's actually the first because I think the Brewers and the Cardinals have faced each other in the playoffs, but it's, it's an interesting fact. And also it's Dusty Baker facing off against Tony La Russa, two managers that absolutely hate each other supposedly and are both over 70. So there's that. Uh, SB Nation did a whole beef history video about those two. So and they, they used to manage against each other in the NL Central. But anyway, looking at the White Sox, they had a pretty mediocre second half, which is a red flag to me. 
they only went 39 34 and for a lot of it they were really putzing around 500 in the second half uh 54 and 35 in the first half is very good but this is a team that coming into the year i was not nearly as high on them as a lot of people were i was not a fan of the tony larusa hiring that you know i put this down as their weakness it's really their manager i mean i don't think that tony larusa is meant to manage in the modern day of baseball. You know, I think he's a very decorated manager in the past. He was a great manager, but really I am concerned that he will run this team into the ground. I was concerned right away. If the other thing is that the Astros have home field advantage here and the White Sox are only 40 and 41 on the road this year. They're very good at home. Not so good on the road. Good point. Good you know, point. I think they, they also, they don't have a ton of experience in the playoffs. You know, they made it in the 60-game season last year, but before that, they hadn't made it since 2008. I uh, The lineup is good. The lineup I definitely can trust. And, you know, Giolito and Dylan Cease and Lance Lynn and Carlos Rodon, that's a strong four, but Dallas Keuchel really has struggled this year again. You know, he's 33 now. Lynn is 34. So they're like a mix of young and old, sort of, but – and their bullpen is actually pretty strong. But I just – I thought they were overrated going into the year. I still think they're a little overrated. I I just compared to the Astros, they don't stack up in my opinion. The Astros literally have no weaknesses. The the White Sox, it's clear that they I don't I don't see how they can get past the Astros. It's just too too much depth on the Astros side, you know, questionable managing and also just I, I don't think the, they, the experience isn't quite there for the White Sox. So I have the Astros advancing past them. So then even then, if you look at the White Sox, I mean, let's say they do somehow get past the Astros here. How far do you think they can get past that? Honestly, if they make it past the Astros, that proves that they clearly are better than I think. In which case, I can see them making the World Series, actually. Uh, you know, in a seven-game series, if they're able to get past the Astros, who I think are already a great team, then really I can see them making the World Series and winning the AL. Um, do I think that's going to happen? Probably not. But you know, I, th- I think there's a real chance that, you know, in a best-of-seven series, they could put up a fight against a team like the Rays, you know, or the, or the Red Sox. So now we move on to the first team in our wild card, the team that we must congratulate for winning tonight, actually, in the wild card, as we both showed you a few minutes ago. But the Boston Red Sox have officially advanced past the New York Yankees in a 6-2 to win. Uh, so a little bit of our preview is a little off here. Um, so we're going to kind of see how this will work. But Red Sox will now, as we, as we see, will officially face off against the Tampa Bay Rays for a spot in the ALCS. And to dive into this team a little bit, and we can talk a little bit about the game tonight, actually. But... Again, a 6-2 to two win, pretty solid outing from the offense, 2 nothing already very early on. Eovaldi got the win, 1-0 to start off here. Garrett Cole gets the loss for the Yankees. But what are the big points of this team that you think could help this team go far? Now, I know the Boston's 92-70. and 70. They still have a very solid record here. They're still a good team. But I think that we know, at least on paper, these top three teams, well, at least top two teams, are still better. So what at least can set the Red Sox apart and give them – maybe a chance here to take on a team like the Rays? Well, if there's one thing that really they have, you know, I'd say it's the offense for sure. You know, coming into the year, I, I, so while I thought the White Sox were overrated, I thought the Red Sox were underrated. 
I didn't necessarily think the Red Sox were a playoff team, but I thought they had a chance at the very least. You know, looking at the offense, you know, Kyle Schwarber has really been a great acquisition. You know, Hunter Renfro, who's a guy who I've been waiting on to break out for quite some time. Uh, I'm really happy that he broke out. You know, he slugged over 500. Um, I think Alex Verdugo is a nice player. Xander Bogarts and Rafi Devers obviously are also great. Enrique Hernandez is a great utility guy. Uh, Bobby Dahlbeck had a great, uh, great last two months of the season. So their offense really, I think, if there's anything that can carry them past the Rays, it will 100% will be their offense. They hit a lot of homers, score a lot of runs, you know, average, you know, five runs per game. So, yeah, the offense – if there's any shot they can get past the Rays, it'll be because their offense is able to score against them. And so then best case, worst case, looking at what this team may accomplish this season, obviously worst case no longer is losing in the wild card game as they have clinched that. But what do you think that worst case is still losing this round? Best case is maybe winning it. Where do you kind of have this team going? Well, now that they've made it past the wild card game, think worst case is probably losing to the Rays. I think the Rays are a better team overall, just top to bottom. But if they get past the Rays, I think maybe the ALCS is their ceiling. I think if they have to face off a team against a team like the Astros, I don't think their depth will be enough, really. I think what be one of the things that I pointed out uh, when we were prepping is that their bullpen really has struggled. Matt Barnes' ZRA is over seven in the second half of the season after he was an all-star. Uh, Adam Adovino has been inconsistent too. And Garrett Whitlock is finally off the IL and he, he's been really good, but really I've just, I, th- I think that, you know, the bullpen does not stack up. And if they do want to have a shot, I think they're going to need Chris sale to really be able to show that he can actually pitch still uh, coming off that Tommy John surgery. So I I'm, you know, Evaldi I thought initially was going to be the big X factor, but he obviously pitched great tonight. So it's yep. also going to come down to Sale and Pavetta and those other pitchers they have. Like, will they be able to step up alongside Evaldi? And uh, actually, just one more note on this before we move on, but do you think they could get swept by the race? Or do you think they at least take a game, worst case? I think, you know, I I was talking on, on my show last night. I think it'll be Rays in four, you know. I don't think it's necessarily a sweep because the Red Sox will probably figure out a way to get to one of those pitchers the Rays have. But, you know, I I don't know if it'll be very close, but I think, yeah, I think Rays in four. I think the Red Sox will be able to pry away eight. And then we have our final team here that we're not really going to talk a ton about, given they're no longer a threat, but the New York Yankees, their best case, worst case, already pre-decided as they lost, uh, of course, tonight in the um, – in the AL wildcard game. So, of course, there's, again, not a ton to say about that. But at least because they're already here, you might as well mention it. But for the Yankees, what do you think, at least on their season, now that the season is over, was their sort of strengths and weaknesses, what they kind of pitched in the playoffs, and what you think this team could do next year, again, with a lot of new acquisitions like guys like Joey Gallo from the Rangers, and sort of what they could do to rebuild and look again at that uh, as they head into 2020, I guess, yeah, 2022. You know, they were just very inconsistent this year. You know, they looked rough out of the gate. You know, I remember when the Mets the Mets went and took two out of three from them around 4th of July. I think it was 4th of July weekend. Uh, you know, people thought their season was over right there at the Yankees, you know. 
people were wondering if they really needed to go for it and buy all those players at the deadline. You know, they just, you know, they won 13 games in a row. Then they lost 12 of 15. Then they get hot again, won eight of nine. It was just too much up and down in a season for a team that a lot of people, including myself, had them winning the AL East at least. I just, I look at the team and a lot of guys who were there in past years just did not perform with this year. You know, DJ LeMahieu, that first year, that six-year contract, it's not looking like a very good contract. And my first problem with that deal was that it was six years. And this is a guy who's on the wrong side of 30. You know, Glaber Torres didn't show up. Neither did Gio Urshela. You know, Brett Gardner started to really show signs of age. You know, Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stan, great. They were healthy, but really that rest of that team did not show up. And, you know, that pitching staff, Cole had a great year and so did Montgomery, but a lot of mediocrity, in my opinion, just – I, I don't think they, they lived up to expectations at all. Bullpen was all right, but yeah, it was it's a disappointing year by their standards. They still won 91 games, which, you know, as I've mentioned in the past, the last time the Yankees had a losing season, my parents only had three kids. So let's just put it that way. It's been 29 years since they had a losing season. Anyway, it's like it's not a bad I mean, year. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a bad year for any other team, but for the Yankees, it's like a terrible year. I mean, going into next year, I have no clue what to expect, really. <laughs> That's, that's honestly fair to say. And so we can now wrap up our show here tonight with always the most fun part of the shows, and that's predictions. We love making picks on the normal Blanket Coverage podcast for anyone that listens to our main podcast here, for anyone that's new. Uh, that's how we usually end our shows, and we get some great picks going. Now, usually we don't really win a whole lot, but we sometimes get some good ones. And then here we're going to do our World Series prediction for 2021. Now, I ended up getting a decent amount on this. I did get it up. I think we picked all this last year, but uh, getting the Dodgers all the way there uh, with the win. But but now we'll look at this year's. And at least for mine, I'm going to have the San Francisco Giants over the Astros in seven. And I'm having this year because I believe that, like you're saying too, and like we've talked about, the Astros, at least I think, are the best team in the AL. I think they have a favorable matchup against the White Sox first that they should take care of. After that, you have a Rays team and then a Red Sox team that has a lot of vulnerabilities, a team that can lose to more experienced and stronger rosters, as we saw last year with the Rays falling to the Dodgers, that a whole lot of resistance. And then, of course, the Red Sox, a team that uh, end up getting their way into the wild card basically in the last day. So Astros have some more favorable matchups within the AL. And then on the Giants end, I think that a little bit of it is a little just sort of me thinking they got it because at the end of the day, as good as the Dodgers are, they could lose their whole season tomorrow and be done. And you never know. I think that there's a lot of question marks on that. And if they can pull that off simply because of that Uh, Brewers and Braves, I think that either of them are worse than the giants anyway, and San Francisco should be able to take care of. And so with that, I think that they're going to end up winning out the NL. These two teams will face off. And then I said seven games because first of all, I want seven games. Why not have seven games? We think these teams can play to that. Definitely, they are two fantastic teams. And, you know, being at Syracuse, we love Orange. So why not Orange versus Orange? And it makes sense here with the prediction. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say San Francisco over Houston in seven. All right. Well, honestly, you know, I, I, I understand that. You know, I really think that whoever wins that, you know, that wild card versus number one seed matchup on the NL side probably has the best chance of winning the World Series. So that's fair. I... 
I'm going to disagree, though. I have the Dodgers facing the Astros in the World Series. I think the Dodgers just too, too good. We talked about run differential earlier. The Dodgers had a plus 269 run differential. So that's like really, really <laughs> good in case you didn't know. <laughs> For Goodness gracious. At home, that is a very, very strong run differential. And I know it's a funky statistic, but that's just worth noting. But anyway, uh, I have the Dodgers winning this in six games against the Astros. I think they enact some revenge. For 2017 with the trash cans and all that um the dodgers i think will also they will be the first team to repeat since the yankees in the 90 from 98 to 2000 i think the dodgers just have too much going for them they like i said they really don't have a weakness and uh, while the astros might have a slightly better offense if you look at like their runs per game i think the dodgers really just they might get max muncie by that point if they're in the world series so Do- dodgers and six over the strohs i think the strohs just get past the rays in the alcs but as long as the Dodgers get past tomorrow, I think they ha- they have to be considered heavy favorites to win the World Series. And I think that's a good point you have there. But that is going to do it for us tonight. Great show as usual. Love to get all of this good content in as we rev things up for the MLB playoffs that we know have already started. We already got through one game. We'll have another tomorrow night with Dodgers and Cardinals. We'll certainly be watching it on the call. And we will update you all once again with all sorts of MLB updates once we get through the rest of the playoffs. We'll have those with our normal blank coverage episodes. We'll have those with our open with our other sports roundup as we usually do. But we can't wait to hear from y'all again. So I'm Jack Wallace, Matthias Altman-Korosaki. We thank you very much for tuning in. Peace out, y'all. <laughs>